Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Vodka O'Clock. I'm your host, Amber Love, and I just want to send out a couple of reminders to you. Of course, you can sponsor the show and my work at Patreon. You just go to patreon.com slash Amber Unmasked, and the backers get... Uh, exclusive peeks at some of the projects and they always get a first look at things like when I'm making announcements about comics that are coming out or books that are coming out or you know what the book cover art looks like and fun stuff like that so just go to patreon to support those and uh, if you happen to be looking for older episodes of the show you can get them at amberunmasked.com and more recent shows are still available on iTunes and Stitcher so today I have one of my favorite guests back on the show because we do our annual anti-Valentine's Day feminist rant episode. Amanda Chattel's here. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I love this episode. It's always good. I know. We really go off on some great tangents. Yeah. So we have so much to talk about that I'm just grateful for your time, first of all. Oh, thank you. Um, so we we decided that, uh, you know, instead of just talking about romance and boyfriends and things that we've always done, um, which I will have some things in the show notes that, that get to that stuff. Um, you know, whatever you're, if you were trying to, to maybe tackle Valentine's Day in a more friend, friend way, like Galentine's Day, or if you're doing like something aromantic, um, there's some, uh, I'll have some ideas for you in the show notes. Uh, but we really want to just talk about like <laughs> getting over this idea in the political climate that we're in that, um, you know, women are just, uh, I don't know, trophies. Is, is that a good way to put I it? I think that's like, a perfect what? way to put it. Or objects. Objects. You know, yeah. I mean, we are not things. Can I say that I finally saw Fury Road? We are not things. Yes. Yes, that's a perfect way to put it. I mean, we're, I mean, in Trump's eyes, we're trash. So let's, I mean, let's just cut yes. to the chase. He has his uh, one token woman in his cabinet, and I think she's his Asian. And then, you know, he has his one token black guy, Ben Carson. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then, of course, he's got Kellyanne Conway, oh, she, basically. She is my favorite. The stuff that comes out of her mouth is, it's the stuff of dreams, I tell you. It really like there's no point in writing political cartoons or SNL skits because you cannot parry them. You just have to take their actual words. I know. I know. It's amazing. Alternative facts. I remember when I saw that for the very first time, even before it went like, you know, I saw that very that initial interview with her and she said, well, he was just presenting alternative facts. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. Who writes the history books is always, you know, it, it, it's like, we, you know, we, we've entered Black History Month. So it's interesting to see the, the facts that have been twisted around. And that often happens in Women's History Month, too, where, you know, it's like, um, you know, so-and-so gets credit for this invention. And it's really because this other person who actually did it wasn't allowed to put their name on a patent, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, um yeah, so their version, what they consider alternative facts, are really just like, um, just lies. Yeah, and they're really clueless, as we learned yesterday, because I think Trump is pretty sure that uh, Frederick Douglass is still alive. 
Yeah, it seemed like it. <laughs> his, his friend Fred, you know, his friend Frederick, yeah. doing great things. <laughs> he's just, and he's getting more and more noticed, you know. I mean, it, for all these great things he's doing every single day. Yeah, Exactly, these great, great things. I mean, you know, because it was important for him to point out the three, you know, black people that were probably only, in, you know, in the room at the time. Yeah, of course. So, um you know, he, he, it, like when there was, a, I think it was Pence took that big selfie on the selfie stick. Oh, with all the white <laughs> and, people? And with all the white people. And it was like a Where's Waldo of, there's the black guy in the back. Yeah. Hey, in the back. Oh, oh, yeah, there he is. Okay, I see him. I see him. Yeah. Yeah, so you've been um, really busy since then. Um, and like me, trying to not commit yourself. Um, but, uh, you know, Bustle has had you know, your articles and, and everything, or, you know, you've talked about organizations that um, are necessary and important to donate to. And obviously like the ACLU, like raked in like what, $24 million in a weekend because of the Muslim ban. Yeah. And they usually get um, three to 4 million a year. Yeah. So some of the other um, organizations, I was hoping that we could actually bring some light to that, too, and talk about some good things that we can do out of this um, complete garbage fire. <laughs> um, one of the, the ones, obviously, that's usually on the top of the list is, is anything about reproductive rights. Yeah. So I wanted to bring um, attention to a small organization that I, you know, it's one of those things where it's local to me. So I, I don't know that anybody outside here would even know it exists. But when I was in grade school, I think it was around fifth or sixth grade, we went to a place called the Weller Center and it was a health education center. So they talked about every area of health and including sexual health. And over the years, they, um, I guess had to, you know, make decisions about their budgets and they no longer have a physical place. So they go to schools in Pennsylvania and New Jersey to give these um, discussions and, and, you know, lectures and stuff instead of having their own place. So um, it's wellercenter.org. And I think that, and they don't just teach kids, but that's, I think, primarily what they do. So they do have adult classes. But it's just one of those things where there's so much shame on bodies mm-hmm. that, you know, the fact that Congress doesn't know how a female body works is just a disaster. Um, so before, <laughs> so before, Yeah. So before your child grows up to be white-haired old person, um, try to get them the education when they're young and can absorb it. And then hopefully, I think, you know, it's one of those things like I, I've learned so much in school and I've forgotten all of it. Like it's, it seems like I've forgotten everything. Like I used to know, um, I used to know French and, you know, I used to know physics and, and science and it's like everything's completely out of my head because I never used it. So I think when it comes to things like even health education, if they don't get it all the time consistently, then they're never going to remember it when they're actually uh, of age where they're going to be having sex. (laughs) I know. And that's terrifying. I remember there was a statistic um, back in September of last year, and it it was like the second time that it had been like um, released. It was a survey that 50% of British women couldn't properly identify their vagina. Yeah. I remember reading that. And that's, that's scary. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be having sex if you can't properly identify your vagina. Right. Because obviously you don't know how it works. Right. Yep. So, yeah. 
So, um, yeah, one of the sad things, speaking of Britain, uh, the Acton Center um, it, or the Acton Women's Clinic, it's some, something like that, has to close due to funding cuts over there in London. And even though it was in London, it was actually for African women who were there to be treated for genital mutilation. So it was one of the very few clinics that um, identified that there were like several different types of that surgery um, and they could even reverse some of them. So that Acton Clinic has to close now. That's so devastating. Yeah. So I thought it had been located in Africa when I tweeted about it, but it's actually for African women in London. Yeah. So, you know, these, you know, we talk about raising money all the time and sometimes it seems like, oh, well, you know, it's just going to like the CEO of the whatever and their travel expenses and not really to the people who need it. So um, I know you had a list of organizations that um, you vetted. So yeah. Um not to interrupt you. I'm so rude. Look at me interrupting you. Um, yeah, I put together a list of, like, smaller organizations because, like you said, like, obviously people always think of Planned Parenthood, um, the ACLU, but there are so many other organizations to give to. Like, one of my favorites is the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Educational Fund, um, which provides, obviously, legal defense and educational um sources, resources rather, to Mexican-Americans. Um, another one I love is uh, Lambda Legal, which helps out all Latinos, Latina, Latinx, whichever um, you want to identify by. Um, and uh, Muslim Public Affairs Council, which definitely needs a lot of donations at this point. Um, they're mpac.org. Uh, especially considering the Muslim ban, even though it's not a Muslim ban, in quotes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we all know it yeah, is. <laughs> it's a Muslim ban. Um, and then some other ones that I vetted, of course, like the National Organization for Women, which does pretty much the same thing as Planned Parenthood. And um, and then, of course, uh, uh, organizations that protect the environment, despite the fact that, which which is actually going to be unbelievably necessary considering we have an administration who thinks that climate change doesn't exist. Right. And they also think it's a great idea to put pollutants in streams. Yes. So. Yes. Just dump. It was, what was it? The coal? Um, I just read it this uh, morning. Yeah. It was, yeah. It's like, the, like coal and oil, yeah, just whatever. Dump that in the streams, you know. That in the streams. Yeah. It was great. So, um the Natural Resources Defense Fund, which is nrdc.org, um, is really great and protects the environment. And all of the ones that I put on this particular list, like I made sure that they weren't ripping people off and that like 80% was going to like the CEO, like you said. And um, of course, like these people have to get paid. That's understandable. But um, I made sure that these places were putting the majority of their money into the actual projects to help whoever they claim that they wanted to help and protect the environment and right. that sort of thing. So those were my favorites that I had compiled. And then, you know, and this is just talking about like, um, 
minority issues and women's issues and stuff, but um, we should also mention arts and entertainment, like that they want to eliminate things like PBS and NPR. Um, and I, I got into a slight Twitter argument with somebody who said that arts are a hobby. And I'm like, um, tell that to the New York Symphony Orchestra or, you know, the New Jersey Ballet, you know, company. Like, the, just because you're at home watching it and it's a hobby to you to be interested in it, that doesn't mean that those performers <laughs> are not in need of a paycheck. And it, art is also a paycheck for a lot of people. Like, I mean, it's what we do. I mean, even if you're writing nonfiction, it still falls under arts and entertainment. No, I totally agree. And the interesting thing, when when it first came out that Trump wanted to cut uh, that stuff, somebody had tweeted a quote, um, and I, like, Googled it to make sure it was, like, an actual Winston Churchill quote, because Winston Churchill was known to be, you know, very far to the right and an egomaniac as well. Um, but during the uh, – that would have been World War Two, right, Winston Churchill? Yeah. yeah. World War II. Um He was asked – in regards to, like, funding for the arts because they wanted to put, you know, more money into the war. And his response was, well, what are we fighting for? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and it just, like, summed up so much in that one statement because art is life, you know. It's it's not a hobby. Yeah, because, I mean, we're, you know, we're talking about Nazis in today's world, neo-Nazis, Um for a reason, like I mean, somebody talked about you know burning their J.K. Rowling books, and wait, um, somebody talked about burning their J.K. Rowling books. Why? Because she's yeah. so liberal or something? Yeah, yeah. Because I guess they were mad that she was getting political, and it's like that's what artists do. Yeah. But um, so she's like, uh, she's like, well, you know, you burning the books that you bought doesn't mean that I don't already have your money. <laughs> I mean, because she's she's. She has epic comeback. Oh, I mean, she does. She really She's does. a firecracker on Twitter. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, you know, book burning by the government is what the Nazis did. So, you know, if you want to burn your own books, whatever, make your statement. I remember people like burned their comics because they were mad that somebody was turned gay or whatever. And it's like, um, you know, we just have to keep the, the government away from making that decision for us. Yeah, I mean, if idiots want to burn their own stuff. Like, I remember the Dixie Chicks, like, forever ago, made an anti-Bush statement. Right. And all the Republicans who were Dixie Chick fans, and I imagine there were a lot of them because it's, you know, country music, were burning their records. And all those, like, southern radio stations were refusing to play their music. And it's like, okay, go ahead, burn your records. Woo! You, yeah. you really made a statement there, guys. Nice job. Yeah, you know, um, and it also I've also seen a lot of arguments about boycotts and what is a boycott. And um, part of that came up recently. Again, it seems like every day there's a new fire to tend to um, because of asshole neo-Nazi Milo. What's his face? Yeah. How does one even pronounce that guy's last name? I don't know. I would be like, you know, um, you know, why are you in my pants is what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, he got this really big book deal from Simon, Simon and Schuster's like imprint. Like it's not their regular mainstream brand. It's an imprint of theirs. So, um, Roxanne Gay pulled her book deal and I thought great, was so fucking brave of her. her. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely brave of her. She can get money from somewhere else. But um, a lot of people were saying, please don't boycott Simon and Schuster because all of those other writers will be hurt, and the staff at the um, publishing house will be hurt. And I, and what they're missing is we can boycott his book. We can say we're not going to buy his book, and we can say we're not going to, you know, give him airtime or whatever. Just like now, he's you know, there are riots because. Um, Berkeley was going to have him as a speaker. Berkeley, of all places, I can't, I can't believe, believe yeah. they booked him. That's amazing to me. So, um, I mean, one of his supporters shot somebody a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Simon, Simon and Schuster owed him anything, but they knew that they'll make money off of him because of controversy. So boycotting his book is not the same thing as boycotting you know, all of those other writers that exist in, you know, in the publishing world. Uh, and, you know, I just think that that's people's, you know, right to do that. I certainly had no plans on buying his book. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's going to review it is going to get a free copy. They're not going to be paying for it. That's true. Um, but, you know, it's boycotting like the boycotting starbucks the last time these alt-right idiots tried to boycott starbucks they did it by paying starbucks for coffee and then putting trump's name on it so it would be called out at the end of the line you know it's like that's not a boycott you twerps i mean it's just (laughs) well i think we've learned that that um that sort of group of the united states the trump supporters they're not exactly um High functioning is in regards right. to logic or, you know, mental awareness. I, I, it's like when you get into an argument with a Trump troll on Twitter every single time. It's just riddled in misspellings and grammatical errors. And granted, as you know, it annoys me as a writer, but it infuriates me as a human being that you're trying to come at me and you can't even like you don't know your you're from your you're man. Yeah. And then they do, they, you know, they, they did that sad thing, really, really sad, taking the Pepe the Frog, which the creator of that comic oh, he is not happy about that is really unhappy. Yeah. Like they just basically co-opted this character and it's just really a shitty thing to do. So now you can always tell if it's in their avatar or if their name has deplorable in it. Um, but like I saw um, the woman, uh, I think her name is Maris Kreitzberg. She's like... Um, I think she has like a editor job or something at like book of the month. And in within like five minutes, the trolls made a bunch of duplicate fake accounts of her to troll her. Like Maris is a cunt and, you know, just to waste her time in having to report them as impersonators. But what about them wasting their time? I want to know how these people have that much time on their hands like I've never it's probably one person and I think there was a there was proof of that somewhere along the line that it wasn't as many people as it appears it's one person or a smaller group of people that make multiple accounts but how do they have enough time like when I think about from the time I get up in the morning to the time I go to bed and I'm usually I usually get up in between 9 and 10. Today I slept a little late because I was up until 5 o'clock in the morning stressed out about the fact that Trump had hung up on the Prime Minister (laughs) of Australia. But anyways, but like from the second I get up to the second I go to bed, I don't have time to make fake Twitter accounts, even if I wanted to. 
Yeah. I mean, do you? Some, do you have that much yeah. time on your hands? No, I probably do, but um, <laughs> but you're I'd, also I'd, not an asshole, so yeah, like it's not my goal in life to do that. No, um, I, yeah, I would just rather spend that time like playing with my cat and throwing toys to. Like it's just one of those things where it's like, well, I could be an asshole to this person right now, or I could go play with the cat. And you know, several times a day, I get away from the desk and go play with the cat. Yeah, it's you know. You have to, you have, you know, the, the, I mean, I only like proofed two chapters of my book today because my eyes were just not cooperating. I was just reading every sentence wrong. I'm like, okay, this is not helping. Um, so yeah. So instead I worked on, uh, just a couple other things like scheduling stuff to go out. Um, and of course making sure you were okay. <laughs> um, it's yeah, I mean it's amazing. Like several people that I that I know, they're like, I'm gonna be taking a break. Um, if you need me, you either have my number or you'll see me in a few weeks. And like that's it. And it's like, well, if your job is being visible, that's hard. It's so um yeah, so I don't, yeah. So unless unless you're also posting under like a brand account and nobody knows it's you, you can't just disappear. You totally can't. And I actually, I got off Facebook for two weeks. But the problem is when you deactivate your your personal Facebook page, it takes down your, your writer's yeah. page. And I, you know, and I got like almost 20,000 people following my writer's page and I didn't want to take that down and not post my articles every day. So I had to come up with um, just like a fake Facebook account to add as an administrator. But oh. at least like the best part was I could post things under Amanda Chattel on there and I wouldn't have like all my friends in my feed with like, this is what Trump did now and this is what he's doing tomorrow. And it was like really nice to like get away from it. Um, and then I tried to stay off Twitter, which lasted for all of three days and then I tried to stay off Instagram which lasted for all of three days and I mean it's just it's impossible so at the end of March I'm actually I'm going to Asia for two weeks and I'm not bringing my computer other than posting photos on Instagram I'm not gonna look at Twitter I'm not gonna look at Facebook and I'm just gonna like totally decompress that's good yeah, I actually use Instagram more as one of my stress relievers because it's mostly cat pictures and yoga people. You know, it used to be like that. Like people would post photos of their cats or their dogs or, oh, here I am drinking martinis with my best friend. And right. now it's, you know, New Yorker cartoons criticizing Trump, which I love. The New Yorker is my favorite magazine. Or people like me posting um, quotes from 1984 because they're unbelievably relevant right now. Yeah, I've done a little of that. I try to I try to keep my Instagram um a little bit happier. I will say I think I posted like, you know, a black image just all black for, you know, on election day or whatever, the day after. Um and I've I I put up some really relevant quotes, you know, about why people protest because to me, it seems weird that people would question it. It's like, well, why do you think they're protesting? It was for the, you know, the Women's March date. And, it's, you know, so, but mostly um, it's, it is 90% cats on my, in my Instagram. Um, and they're usually like the dumb things that the cat did. Like he just farted in my face. Here's a picture. <laughs> um, 
that kind of thing. Yeah. So at least you keep it like mostly happy and cheery and like. I do, and and that's you know, and I'm particular about who I follow because of that. It's like I, you know, there's obviously a zillion comic book people on there too, but. I see them already on Facebook and, and Twitter. Like, I don't need to also see the exact same images on Instagram. I go to Instagram for something else. Like, you know. Yeah. No, I totally and it, agree. So, yeah. And then there's, you know, Pinterest, which is just, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't shiny. even use that at all. I used it when, right before I got married to, like, pin stuff just for my sister to look at. Because she was like, you have to join now that you're getting married. And, <laughs> you know, I haven't been on there since. It's just shiny things. It's just, you know, just look at pretty shiny yeah. things. Yeah, and I just, big, I know. I, big houses. Yeah, big houses, you know. your dream house, your dream wedding dress, your dream this, your dream that, and you pin it to a board, and I'm just like, I'd like to, I don't know. Maybe I'm cynical in that way. I like to kind of create my own dreams and not just, like, pin up pictures. Mm-hmm. But to each their own. That's true, that's true. So, um on like I said, after the day after the election, I basically melted down and, and I think I cried for twelve straight hours. Oh yeah, me too. It just didn't stop. Um You know, and I never ever had that reaction before. And like, like I cried like happy tears for Obama, like just out of happiness. But like I mean, I felt like the world was over and I had I mean, it was the same pain as a breakup. Mhm. And you know, it's pain is pain. I guess it doesn't matter what it's from. Um, you know, and obviously, I guess it depends on, like you said, like how much, like how much of your Twitter do you want to see? And, do, you know, can you filter this stuff out? Um, so I I made a list of um, on Twitter of news things. So that way when I'm specifically looking for news, I can go and, you know, see the the top headlines, even though they're going to be trending anyway. But half the time, if I don't know what the trending thing means, it's either like music, it's either somebody, (laughs) somebody popular in music or sports, because I like it was something or other river today. And I'm like, oh, was there another oil spill? Let me click on this. And it was like some band. Yeah, I try not to pay attention to what's trending, actually. In fact, somebody had posted something on Facebook um, that she saw that uh, Lauren Hill was trending the other day. And just seeing that Lauren Hill was trending, she had a complete meltdown because she thought that she had died. But she had okay. the meltdown before she even clicked to see why she was trending. She just yeah. had the meltdown first. So I try not to look at what's trending. Um, I try to – I mean, mostly outside of, like – friends and colleagues I I follow like news and so I mean like CNN and the Times and the Boston Globe are like every other tweet that comes up and that's stressful yeah yeah it is um and it's weird I'm I started like I feel like I'm following so many now that my eyes just kind of know what to go over yeah you know so it's like oh this person's talking about comics okay this person's talking about protests okay yeah (laughs) But I've also found, and I don't know if this is ignorant of me or what, but there were some people that I followed back um, just as a, I always felt, I always, when I first got on Twitter, I felt like you should follow somebody back as like a common courtesy. Um, 
but I'm realizing that in those early days of these people that I followed back as a common courtesy, like the world is falling apart and they're tweeting lines like, oh my God, I'm having such a bad hair day. I can't even stand it. So <laughs> I've been like unfollowing these people and I'm, I'm kind of struggling with it. Like, am I being an asshole for unfollowing them? Like this is a, this is a concern for them. But at the same time, like, you know, Trump just signed an executive order banning Muslims and you're complaining about your hair. And the same thing is happening on Facebook. Like these stupid yeah. friends that I, I mean, they weren't even friends in high school, but like sent me friend requests and they're pretty, I mean, I'm from Southern New Hampshire and 90% of the people that I went to high school with still live in New Hampshire. They each have like two or three kids. They probably voted for Trump. They're not exactly cultured or they're, they're just a little different from me <laughs> to, to just like, you know, so, you know, I be posting like political things and, and I've been, I've been pulling back on the political things, but it's just, it's really frustrating that there's so many horrible things happening in the world. And you have this group of people who are just so into themselves, like, Oh, this color lipstick doesn't look as good as I thought it would. And I'm like, really, really right now? Yeah, that's, I know. And it's like, because I, I, when I get the Facebook, when I see that it's somebody's birthday, if I can't remember why I know that person on their birthday, I'll go and unfollow them. And that's probably terrible. But it's like, you know, they might have changed their name or something. I don't know. <laughs> but clearly, they're not important to me. Yeah. And they've never commented before. So I don't recognize them. So it's just good to get rid of them. And yeah. I don't understand the people who have like 700, 800, 1000 friends on Facebook. Like I have 340. Like I don't add every single person I meet. And sometimes I'll add somebody like, like, Oh, we should totally be Facebook friends. Like when you're at a bar, I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you add them. And two days later, like, okay, bye. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, that was totally pointless. We have nothing in common. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it and it was really hard um, not to unfollow the couple of people that I'm friends with who voted for Trump because actually um, have friends who voted for Trump. I think two. Wow. Yeah, and well, I think one was somebody that I was there. Well, there was yeah. Okay, this is the thing. There was there was one that was friends with through cosplaying stuff. So he wasn't really a friend. He was just somebody I ran into at events. So I, I like didn't you know I was like well we never really talk except for in person anyway so I just um unfriended him but then two people that I actually talked to like on a fairly regular basis when I found out that they voted for him and I understand why or whatever it's you know it's usually southern people um it's you know I instead of me going after them or something like that personally because I think that's a dick thing to do like I don't think you should go over to somebody else's Facebook and rant at them yeah um instead when I see them post something and this was before everything like really hit the fan it was like they just you know it might have been like on election day or the day after whatever um I I would go to my own page then and and post something about just so you know you know, your support for him means that you want people that I care about rounded up in camps or dead or to go through conversion therapy. Um, 
you know, you you want people like me to, you know, not exist or go off on our own island or whatever, you know, and and I just hope that they see it and maybe think harder <laughs> about what's happened. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, a good way to handle it. I hope so. I hope so. because I don't. I mean, because I've seen some nasty arguments oh, going so back and bad. forth. And I'm like, you know, this is that person's page. They, you know, why they can just like shut you down in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's obviously hard if you feel some kind of connection to somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'll even, you know, like I'll even call this out. Um, I made a post about the Star Wars group, the 501st, because I saw a couple of them talking about anti-Hillary shit, which obviously means, you know, they certainly weren't Bernie people. Yeah. So, um they already had like a few weeks before somebody who makes one of their costumes, you know, was a Holocaust denier and like proud of it and going on and on about on his own page about, you know, this Holocaust denial shit. So I'm like, look, I realize you guys dress up as bad guys, but the point is you're supposed to be bad guys doing good. That's your motto. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, supposed to be, you're raising money for charities and, you know, and, and what I, you know, from what I've seen and there's still like, you know, the best people when it comes to being in person at charity events. Like I've never seen anything go down that's, you know, questionable. Um, But I, you know, I came out and I said, look, after seeing that this is who these people support, I'm not going to go to their stuff anymore. And it hurt because like I, you know, I was supposed to be at their dinner a, a month ago and it's like, well, you know, you guys need to clean up your house. You need to clean up your little clubhouse and get the Nazis out of your group. I just still can't believe, like, I cannot believe that there are Holocaust deniers that exist. Like, it's like, I know. It, it's a it's a historical fact. It's like saying Abraham Lincoln was never president of the United States. It's like, no, no, yeah. no, you don't. That's not how this works. Like, this is. Well, these are this. Yeah, these are this, you know, people who will also tell you how many dinosaurs fit on the ark. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, but, you know, right there in Auschwitz and Warsaw where they have these camps, you know. Yeah. Um, where they, you know, they have rooms filled with hair to show people what it was like. It's like, I, had a, I mean, I had a flute teacher. I've, met, I've said this before. I had a flute teacher who was a really mean Polish man, and he uh, he still had his tattoo, obviously. He didn't get it removed, but he had his tattoo from, this, you know, being in a camp and escaping. And it's like, people, yeah, nobody went and did that, you know, to try and make shit up for a bunch of history books. Yeah, it's not like you was like, <laughs> a secret conspiracy. Yeah. This is so depressing, man. I know, I know. I'm waiting for that Xanax to kick in. (laughs) Usually it takes a good 20 minutes, so. It does, and see, that's the thing I noticed about Xanax. It took about 20 minutes, and now I have, like, Clonopin, and Clonopin takes, like, a good hour. Like, it's like, if I take that, then it's like, all of a sudden, I could be sitting somewhere and falling asleep, which is why I hate driving now. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, cause I just like fall asleep randomly. <laughs> yeah. Clonopin I used to take in college, but it was just, it did not agree with me. In fact, the one and only time I've had my stomach pumped was because of Clonopin and vodka. 
Oh, a friend of mine did too. Yeah, it was not a good yeah. mix. But the doctor didn't tell me that I couldn't combine them. Common sense should have told me, but I was also 21 at the time, and it's not like yeah. common sense was my strong suit. Um, so, yeah, I only took one clonopin, and I drank, I don't know, vodka and lemonade or whatever the hell you drink when you're 21 at a party. And I totally blacked out, and then when I came to, I was in the hospital having my stomach pumped. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, now they tell you you're not supposed to drink any alcohol on this shit. Oh, yeah, and I've learned that with, like, Xanax. Because after, on November 9th, I was in um, Barcelona, Spain. I was living there for the fall. And so I was far away from everybody. The only person I knew in Barcelona was this guy that I was sleeping with that I'd met over the summer. And I was up all night watching every single state turn red, red, red. And then when it finally came in that he won, at 8 o'clock in the morning, I took a couple Xanax. I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning, cried all day, took a couple more Xanax, and then proceeded to drink, which was really dumb because then I woke up the next morning with him lying next to me, and I'm like – when did you get here? He said, he said, you called me and you were crying because you were so upset about the election. I'm like, oh. I'm like, did we have sex? He's like, we had sex three times. I'm like, oh, my God, really? And then he got all upset. He's like, oh, my God, I didn't know that you didn't know. I feel like I took advantage of you. I'm like, no, 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 no. Obviously, I wanted to have sex with you, but I don't remember because I've been popping Xanax and crying all day and drinking wine. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, no, I was, I was actually before I got the uh, these pills. That I had to endure the election oh, Ugh, without without pills, um, and I couldn't keep anything down anyway. I was I I it's a very rare experience for me to have my stomach that sick. Um, like other people are just like, oh I have oh I'm stressed out about this. I can't eat right now. I'm like there is hardly ever a time that I cannot eat. Like I you know give me a loaf of bread. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was it was a really odd like 24 hours where I couldn't eat and um you know and I couldn't you know think I and I just I you know I I knew the things to do like you know I obviously after watching the news until I think one or two in the morning I uh you know I just stayed in bed and um watched Netflix or something mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a rough day for everybody that I knew. Like, even my editors were like, okay, you know what? There's really no point in us working today or even trying to. Tomorrow we'll start over about how to deal with this and how you're not alone in your sadness. But, like, today it's it's just useless. I mean, there were people sitting in the offices of where I work, like, because I work for a couple of different places, but, like, in the offices of Bustle, just, like, devastated and crying. I which I think was a totally normal reaction. Of course, you know, my parents, who are both liberal, felt that I was overreacting. Um, but I also think that the younger, the older people don't, like, this is our first time being privy to such to such a tyrant. Like, they had Nixon, and so, yeah. but we weren't alive for Nixon, you know? Or if we were, we were babies. Yeah, yeah, that's just it. It's like we were babies and didn't care. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't think I was alive when Nixon. Nixon was late sixties, early seventies, right? He, um, when did he finish? Now I have to think about this. He went in after sixty-nine. Lyndon Johnson. Um, 
I'll tell you, I mean, from my memory, if somebody were to ask me, like, what's my earliest presidential memory, I remember the name Jimmy Carter. Like, I don't remember um, prior to that. So I was basically a Reagan-era kid, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think I was born – I think Jimmy Carter was president when I was born. I don't know. I tend to lie about my age, so I can't keep track. Oh, I just forget. See, that's another thing pills do. <laughs> I took them, you know, I took them for so long in my, like, from the, the middle of my 20s for like eight years that I'm pretty sure I just killed a good portion of my brain. Yeah, I do. I find that since I've been taking Xanax on a regular basis, it has really murdered um, my memory in a lot of ways. Like, I'll have conversations with friends. They'll be like, don't you remember such and such? They'll be like, no, I have no. absolutely zero <laughs> recollection. Like I, n- not even like, not even a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of this entire day or event. I'm like, I, no clue. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's interesting. So I do, um, like when I I I have my friend Josh Neff comes on the show a lot, and he's currently on an on a social media hiatus. So um, yeah. So he's he's hanging in there. Um, but he posts on Instagram, he posts pictures of his cat. So, um, so I see that he's okay. And, um, you know, and we talk about our, you know, what are the things that make us happy? Because if you don't remind yourself why you're upset in the first place, like it's because something matters to you, you know, um, you know, like the, the thought of the, you know, public parks being sold off. And luckily that bill is being pulled. I mean, I'm not an outdoorsy person. I'm really, like, I'm not because I have issues with the sun trying to kill me and bugs trying to kill me. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, but I have a great appreciation for it. And, you know, there's, like, little state parks that I like to go to. So, you know, the thought of millions of acres of open space being commercialized, I just, it seems so sad and and the reason that felt sad to me was because I'm like because it serves a purpose you know like animals live there and you know and people visit it because you know if they live in cities they've never they've never seen this before I mean and some of it is real real majesty that you you know like I've never seen the redwoods I've never seen the Grand Canyon so it's you have to think about the happy part of the shit <laughs> and what's going down to realize like why you're upset in the first place. And then, you know, we like to fantasize in our heads about how we would take over the world. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like we would not start war with fucking Australia. Like that's fucking stupid. Or Mexico. Or Mexico. <laughs> I mean, who wants to invade Mexico? Come on. The Mexican people are absolutely adorable and sweet and kind and I love them. And I hate that Wait, I forgot. Can we swear? Yeah, totally. Okay. I think I already dropped a couple F-bombs accidentally. Yeah, I was going to say, I just said fuck like three oh. times in a sentence. See, the, the thing is, <laughs> I'm so used to that word that I don't even hear it anymore. But that's <laughs> fucking wall. Like, I just don't get it. And I saw this really great photo. It was in GQ, and somebody had uh, posted it on Facebook, I think. Maybe Twitter. I don't know. But it was the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, going for a run with the Mexican president who is absolutely adorable and whose name I cannot pronounce, so I'm not even going to butcher it. But, like, 
these are like leaders who are getting along. They're going for a run and then afterwards they went to lunch. And like, why is it so difficult for Trump? Like, it's like, it's partially ego and it's partially insecurity because the fact that he was on the phone with the prime minister of Australia and before he like apparently got abruptly off the phone, AKA hung up, he actually bragged about how much he won the electoral vote. Now, does the prime minister of Australia give a fuck? Give a fuck? Yeah, Yeah. no. And this is the action of, I strongly believe that Trump is mentally ill. He's absolutely mentally ill. And the scariest part of my day is when I wake up and the, the couple of seconds from waking up, reaching over to pick up my phone, because I know it's just a matter of time before I pick it up and I get like a New York Times breaking news release thing that says, we are now in war with this country, this country, this country, this country, and this country. Yeah, it's just a matter of which one. Like people are talking about China today and it's like, it's like, can we not like, it, I forget, I don't know if it was the Times or, or which one, but it was like, here's what would happen if we went to war with China. It's like, can we not talk about like, like giving him a, an actual plan? Like, that's what you're doing when you write something like that. Like you're giving him a plan of this is what would happen. Oh, only this many casualties. I can live with that. He doesn't care. He just killed an eight year old. No, not at all. I mean, you know, don't give him a plan. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people have t- been talking about mental illness with um, in regards to Trump because he's got. It seems like he's got something wrong. Like obviously ego and sociopaths are often CEOs of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, that narcissism of his is just yes. So narcissism in particular, the doctor who wrote the criteria for narcissism says that. Trump doesn't meet the criteria. He doesn't meet the criteria? I mean, if you look at the list of, like, you could cross them all off for Trump. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a sociopath. Oh, completely. And, uh, you know, so I can't imagine Dr. Alan Francis here saying that Trump is not a narcissist. Yeah. I mean, he um, has a painting of himself in his apartment in New York. That's weird. Do you have a painting of yourself? <laughs> I do. Well, I do because I model. So, like, okay, people give me artwork different. that they've made of me. <laughs> you can go out and hire people to do a big painting of you and then put it in a golden frame. No. No, I have not done that. Or, like, started a foundation and had it be, like, you know, my portrait in the middle. No. Yeah, of course. I mean, I've got I, – one of my ex-boyfriends was a painter, and he – you know, had painted me a couple of times and I have those. Of course, I don't have them out because, you know, it's, they're kind of sad to look. The next. <laughs> I mean, we're really good friends, and he, but he was my first love. So there's that sort of like, you know, you never really get over your first love, even though that was like, oh my God, almost 20 years ago at this point. Um, so yeah, I had those and we were together. I had them up, but like, I mean, it's different. You and I yeah. having that type of stuff is different than Trump because you know I you know he sits there and he looks at that portrait and he fucking jerks off to it you know he does because you know Melania <laughs> is not touching that orange no nope. she's not I mean she doesn't even want to live with him no she like, doesn't I bet you she well she hasn't been seen in public for 12 days since the inauguration I mean she just doesn't want to have anything to do with this oh no, he took he takes Ivanka everywhere yeah who as much as she claims to be some sort of feminist is 
anything but. I mean, she's trying to create this whole new Camelot type of situation, which is a joke. Like, the Kennedys versus the Trumps? Come on. Yeah. Well, they have some things in common, but... Oh, yeah. All that whole, like, womanizing shit. Totally. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, I I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, JFK took advantage of people, like, you know, women... He obviously slept around a lot, but I'm sure, I don't know if all of them were willing. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. And, but at least from, and I'm not like, you know, dismissing his like inappropriate behavior, but at least as a president. Oh, totally different. Yeah. Totally different. Like, I've always thought that you should separate somebody's personal life from their um their political life like when the whole bill clinton granted when the whole bill clinton scandal came out i was too young to have a really good understanding like i didn't under i was so young that i didn't understand like what he was doing with the cigar like i couldn't yeah i didn't i knew, didn't know what that was yeah, yeah i didn't understand where he was putting it and right. it was just but then as i got older and i thought about it like what it was horrible that he cheated on Hillary Clinton and I'm sure he's cheated on her dozens and dozens and dozens of times oh absolutely but as far as like his presidency goes if he's fucking around and it's not messing up his presidency we need to separate the two and I'm an extremely staunch feminist I believe that disrespecting women in any way is disgusting and grotesque and just I met a lot of words. Well, that's that's why I felt bad for Monica, and a lot of people didn't. Like, they really villainized her. Which was so wrong, because she was a kid. Yeah, I mean, if you watch her TED Talk, it you know, just really just absorb it and listen to what she's saying, you know, about, yeah, she was, a, you know, she was a kid. She was, like, 20-whatever, and she's like, I was in love with him. Yeah. And it's like she means it and she, you know, it's like, you know, I love Hillary, uh, you know, uh, for actually like this whole campaign. She really won me over. Um, I didn't before. Like, I just didn't really have much of an opinion of her. Were you she um, to... a, a Bernie person before Hillary got the nomination? No, oh, you weren't. Okay. No, no. I mean, I I like some of the things Bernie says, but I, I don't think he's um, realistic. And, you know, it's like in a dream world, I think a lot of the things he says are great. No, it would be so great. But I just don't think that they would ever happen. Um, he's somebody to me that says he's really good at inspiring and giving people ideas. But I don't think he you know, would have been successful at all. Not in this country. I think in, in a European country, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um yeah, so I felt really bad for Monica Lewinsky, and she's um, she I think works on a for a, a an organization, and I think I don't know if it's a charity. It might be a charity um, where she, you know, the, it's about bullying and being bullied in school. Yeah. Um, but that TED talk of hers is amazing. I think I watched part of it, and then something came up where I wasn't able to finish it. But I need to finish it at some point. But yeah. Yeah, to be older and to be able to understand that dynamic a little, I mean, far better. Um, it's just interesting, the big deal that, you know. Well, people, what it shows was that the man in the situation was still like Teflon 
<laughs> and um, even though he was taken halfway through impeachment proceedings, they never impeached him officially. Um, he was impeached by the House, but not through, um, but the Senate acquitted him. Yeah. Um, because I had to look that up. I'm like, he was impeached. So what, you know, nothing happens. What's the big deal about impeachment? Except it's a waste of time. Um, but then I read that it was, that it was the Senate who actually um, did nothing about it further. So, you know, so it's always the, the women of the situation who pay the biggest price. Of course. I mean, in that situation, she was the whore. She wasn't the yeah. whore at all. But people kept bringing it up through Hillary's campaign, too, because, um, you know, and it was very nice of him that, that former President Clinton, you know, was there on the campaign trail for her. He didn't have to do that. He could have, you know, he could have written her off and they, she could have written him off ages ago. Yeah. But, you know, she was there for him. So he reciprocated as he damn well should. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, the, as long as they're not abusing each other, then, you know, it's their situation to work out. Um, but people kept still, still blame her for everything. And it's just like, it's so weird. It's like, you know, oh, she's cold. Oh, she's, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, God forbid you be a woman over 30 and you're just, you know, the devil. I know. It's just... I don't know. I never thought she never came off as cold to me. I mean, she just she came off as a woman who knew what she wanted and still knows what she wanted and is down to business. I don't think. But of course, a man would not be called cold for the same actions and the same like facial right. expressions. It's just no, no. The, like the word shrill is only used for women. <sighs> that That was, you know, brought up, yeah. you know, and it was. And it's ridiculous. And, um, you know, I mean, she's not the only person, the only woman to run, but um, she made it considerably farther than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, but I think I think whenever they see a woman with that much ambition and drive, then they think they use these words like shrill and cold, uh, you know, yeah. bossy, bossy, yeah, bossy pants. Um, you know, obviously it's like, oh, she doesn't love her family if she's doing this and something. It's like, do you ever ask the men who are, who work this much, how their families are? And of course they never do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where the, the whole campaign season, I, you know. It was a fucking shit show. The last was, couple of years have been a fucking shit show. It gave him so much more time on the air yeah. that I was disgusted. I'm like, why do you keep talking about him like all the time? And then when it wasn't him, it was Conway. I'm like, you know, it's like I would like to see from someplace other than print media, which is supposedly dead, you know, like other than looking at Twitter and seeing what the New York Times is covering and, you know, in the other papers, it's like that was the only place to get news about her side. Yeah. And it was just really weird. But emails, as everybody says. Oh, God, those emails. <laughs> I, uh, it was just never ending. I mean, I was in Europe for the majority of this whole campaign. Um, 
because I, I tend to be there at least like six to seven months. It's probably going to be a lot more than that this year. Um, and just, I mean, just watching it from the perspective of like the French reporting it or when I was in Spain, like how they reported it. And it always came back to those damn emails. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, when they had the women's March and it became global, mm-hmm. I was just speechless. I'm like, why, you know, I'm like, I'm like, why are you people marching when, you know, this is about American women or people who want to come here. Like, you know, like it just seemed very odd to me. And the same thing is happening today. Like a guy from Dublin posted that, you know, they were having an anti-Trump protest in Dublin. Like, this is amazing. Like that the rest of the world matters, that we are a sinking ship. Yeah. Well, I went to um, a Trump protest in Barcelona shortly after the uh, the election results. And it was amazing because Barcelona is, you know, has people from all over the world living there. And to be able to talk to people from all over the world as an American, um, it was really inspiring how how much these people care. And actually when I was in, in September, I was in Cape town and um, I had this uh, taxi driver who picked me up and I actually had him as a taxi driver uh, a couple times because I don't really have like a lot of taxi drivers down there, I guess. Anyway. And his name was Desmond. And we'd have these really great political talks. And he obviously was for Hillary and he was extremely concerned, obviously, because they had apartheid not that long ago. And um, he was telling me what it was like to grow up in that era. And he said that every single Sunday at his church, they prayed that Hillary would be elected. Because they knew that if Trump was elected, being the hateful, racist, xenophobic, misogynistic piece of shit that he is, it wasn't going to just affect us. It was going to ripple and affect everyone in this world. I mean, he's alienated so many people at this point, so many world leaders, that the for the world not to be concerned would be ignorant on their part. Right. It, and it's and it's remarkable, like the ones that he's choosing to it's like, don't piss off Canada. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I know, what kind like, of asshole pisses off Canada? I mean, they're the nicest people in the world. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's like proven. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he still hasn't extended condolences for the Muslims that were murdered at that point. No, like, no not at all. Disgusting. But he's upset about the Berkeley protest. He's such an asshole. Yeah. Everything That's about what, him is... Ugh. It's disgusting. It's, he's literally, he's, he's very vile. He's really, really vile. And people have known that for decades, like when his, you know, he wouldn't, uh, you know, give housing to black people and, you know, in his fancy ass fucking buildings that he, whatever, um, you know, and there's unfortunately a lot of buildings that have his name on it that don't actually have anything to do with them anymore. Um, well, some of those names are being taken down because people don't want yes. the association. Yeah. Because there was a problem in one of the casinos where, um, like, the, the union workers, like, hadn't been paid for or, or had a, like, it was something ridiculous. Like, they were in dire straits for years. Yeah. Um, but it was like some company had, had taken over and, and bought them out. So it was like, 
it looked like it was his name and it really like wasn't. But I don't, yeah, I can't imagine anybody wanting that brand slapped on there. And there shouldn't be. I mean, he's he's not divesting himself anyway. We all know that. He opened like eight new companies in the last month. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he's done so much business in Saudi Arabia. And that's where the majority of the terrorists came from on 9-11. And yet Saudi Arabia isn't on that list of seven countries. I mean, right. it's ridiculous. It's, everything about it is ridiculous and terrifying and I mean I it's to the point where as you know I'm going through a divorce um because I was upset last week because he didn't sign the papers that he was supposed to sign and um but then he and I actually had a civil conversation on what's today Thursday Mm -hmm. yeah on Tuesday night and he said listen I'm sorry I didn't sign the papers but I see what's going on in the country, and you haven't completed your French residency yet. I was thinking maybe we could, you know, stay married a little bit longer in case you wanted to finish up your French residency. And also, for the insurance purposes, because I'm having a couple of, like, medical issues, and my freelancer's insurance covers practically nothing. Like, if I get hit by a truck, it'll cover the ambulance fee to take me to the emergency room, and that's it. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's really bad. So we had this really great discussion about, okay, this is the direction the United States is going in. We're still legally married, and that is that that can be your escape if that's what it comes down to. So now I'm trying to figure out, do I stay here and continue to go to marches and do everything I can you while I'm here, or do I take the opportunity of getting, like, the fuck out of town and doing what I can from abroad. But then France is having their elections um, in May, April, May. I don't know. But right now, the people who are in the lead are extremely to the right, one of them being Marine Le Pen. Um, wasn't wasn't that person just over here in his building? Yes. <laughs> yes. She yeah. thinks he is great. Yeah, yeah. She wants to close up the she wants to leave the EU and have a Frexit, close up the borders and go back to the franc. Oh. So, which would be devastating for the French economy because their economy is already in the toilet uh because of all of um the terrorist attacks they've been having. God. So, that's the way France looks like it's going to be leaning and their vote is going to probably go in that direction because people are scared and there's the Islamophobia that's all over the country. But then as Olivier pointed out, I said, even if that's the case, there are still liberal countries in the EU and with your French residency comes an EU residency. So you could go to maybe like Belgium. Yeah, I could go to Belgium. I could go to Spain. Like, well, Italy is, I'd say Italy, but that they're going far to the right too or Switzerland I go to Switzerland Switzerland. I've heard Switzerland's amazing yeah it's gorgeous absolutely gorgeous so I don't know but you know when things are so bad that you are seriously considering putting off your divorce divorce from the man who cheated on you with somebody who was 27 years younger than you and she wrote you a poem and sent it to you and you had to send him a pile of shit in the mail you know that things are serious. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's. I I just got finished reading um, uh, a book I will highly recommend. It's called Loving Eleanor, and it's historical fiction 
but there's plenty of facts in it. Um, it's told from the point of view of Lorena Hickok, um, who went by the name Hick. And um, she was Eleanor Roosevelt's mistress. And uh, so even though it's a fictional account of like what happened, obviously they've uncovered, she left all of the love letters between them to the library to be opened like um, after she died. So, you know, the, it gives you such insight about how Franklin had his own mistresses. He had at least two. Um, he, you know, one of them living in the White House and Eleanor had her own. They had a couple residences. Obviously, they were like, you know, cabillionaires. And um, so she had her own places to live in her own side of the, the White House and, and her own suite and stuff where he wasn't, you know, where he didn't go. So. Um, so it was just, it was really interesting because at first she was having an affair with a man and because people started gossiping about it, <laughs> like FDR like, arranged a marriage for this guy to get, to get married so that it would take off the heat from, you know, the political image of his wife. So, but then she goes on to have an affair for years and years and years with a woman. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew she was a lesbian, but I'd never. Um, yeah. So she, you know, so she was really bi because oh, then yeah, bi. Af after that woman died, then she, I don't know if she ever had sex with him, but she ended up very companion-like with a man after, um, after the two women broke up. So she ended up dying, um, you know, in the companionship of a man. Um, but yeah, I mean. It's just, it's interesting. It's like, this is the stuff that goes on in the White House, too. And people knew, and they, you know, knew to keep their mouth shut because if they gossip too much, like it was somebody in the family who really started the gossiping, someone who didn't like Eleanor Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it, people keep wondering, like, where are these, like all the alt Twitter accounts that have come up, the rogue Twitters. Mm -hmm. Um, people are like, where are they getting their information? And they're like, well, you can stop us like during our work hours, but you can't stop us, when, you know. Um, so yeah, so like there's there's people getting insider information because they're in there and they're just trying to cover their tracks and hope they don't get caught. Yeah, and I think during this administration, more than ever, that is going to be extremely important. Yeah, I saw somebody talking about that the um, the reporters should boycott the White House Correspondents' Lunch. And it's like, hell no. It's like, they should be there, and they should be right up in his face. And and be like, you know, you know make it very clear that they are not going to be bullied into going away. You know, he can call them fake news. He can, you know, they should absolutely go to the Correspondents' Lunch. When is that supposed to be again? Uh, I think it's... I don't know. I think it's soon, two, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's soon. Um, I don't know, maybe around the 21st, maybe for like President's Day or something. Oh, President's Day, we'll see. Which he'll declare as his own day. Yeah, you know, will. As he did, like, Election Day, he declared as his own fucking day or whatever. Yeah, uh, the Inauguration Day is uh, the patriotic devotion. I can't even remember some fucking yeah, bullshit. some bullshit. It's like, look, unless you're giving people the day off, you can just fuck off. Yeah. And we don't want to celebrate you. We already have President's Day. We already had what was, you know, Washington and Lincoln's Day merged into one. So, 
don't it's know. like remember remember Patriots Day. Patriots Day is the you know <laughs> September 11th. We all remember that day. Yeah, nobody's gonna forget that day. It's just yeah. stressful. I feel like he's affecting relationships with people in their families, with their like romantic relationships, like work, like. I have to say, and of course, I always get depressed this time of year, especially like being in the Northeast with all the snow and the cold weather. Um, but like this depression I'm feeling is like really far deeper than uh, it's been the last few years because of him. I mean, it's terrifying. I've seen other people say it's come between their marriages, too. And it's, it you know, it almost had a small effect on on my own relationship because I don't know my boyfriend said something about you know not wanting to hear about politics and he hardly ever posts the Facebook in the first place so when I saw him I was like it was election it was you know going to be election day I'm like um, I plan on staying up all night watching this so then don't come over if you don't want to he's like no no you're different I'll be there and he was Mm -hmm. you know like he rolled over at one o'clock I was like bawling my eyes out and I'm like yeah I need a sedative or whatever I forget what I took <laughs> probably Benadryl because I didn't have I didn't have like the the knock me out pill yeah and Benadryl so is I, a good substitute yeah so I was just taking Benadryl like every night <laughs> <laughs> I'm like whatever I have allergies anyway so yeah it's um I don't know I don't I also don't think I could be in a relationship with somebody who wasn't politically engaged like that would be difficult for me. I think that's a better option than being married to somebody who's completely opposite you as I was when I was stupid and young and in college. Mm-hmm. As soon as I got out of college and I got married to somebody who was like one of these alt-right people. They didn't have, you know, they didn't call it that. Um, but. Like there'd be so much yeah. like arguing. It would be exhausting, I would think. Was, well, it was one of those things where I, you know, it was a very, um, he was much older. So I was very put in my place and very trophy wifed. So I was just there to look good and say the right things. And, you know, very abusive that way. <sighs> Only talked to who he said I could talk to, that kind of shit. God, I'm like so fucking over men at this point. I gotta be <laughs> so fucking over them. Well, I'm glad that you had like a ravenous affair in Barcelona, though. That sounds cool. Oh my God, he was so hot. Uh, a Venezuelan bad hombre, I guess, as Trump would call him, <laughs> except I refer to him as a bad hombre in a completely different way. Um, yeah, he is just uh, something special, that one. That's wonderful. I think I think everybody needs to have just wild affairs like that. Oh, yeah. They make you feel so good. And you know that you're just it's temporary because, you know, you're like leaving or whatever. So it's not going to be like some kind of fight breakup. I know, but it was tough to leave him because the sex was so fucking fantastic. He would come over and like we would like immediately just like ravage each other and just and then we'd like stop and talk about like politics and art and music and then just like start fucking again. And then that would turn you on again. Yeah. So. so it was like he'd come over for like hours and hours and hours. And sometimes we'd have sex like three or four times with these amazing conversations in between. And it was just like it was perfect because I had had I had gone an entire year without sex after finding out that my husband had cheated on me. Like the, the idea of having sex with somebody made me so physically ill um, that the one time I tried after I found out that he had cheated, I actually 
I was kissing the guy and we started to get naked and he was a very attractive guy and I ran to the bathroom and threw up. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure you're not the only one that's happened to. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, because when something like that happens, it really like throws you for a loop. And as a really, somebody with a very high sex drive, it was difficult to deal with that that's how I was responding to sex. So when I met this particular person uh, last summer, I met him over the summer and we started hooking up. And then when I went back to Barcelona in the fall, um, we got to know each other even more and like just had this great affair for two months. Your memoir is going to be so exciting. <laughs> if I ever finish it, at least I have oh, my, my ending. I've got like, I've got 75% of it done in the end, but then I have that chunk that's like in there before the end that I just need to figure out. So Friday's, like I told you, is book day. Right. But um, last Friday, obviously, because, you know, I had that like setback with Olivier, was not book day. It was cry on the couch day. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Yeah, you got to, you know, whatever writing schedule works, you know, you just got to work it out. Yeah. But that's... um. Yeah, to get your personal writing done. That's not work writing. Because um, I want to read that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to read it. I want everybody to read it. I mean, I've been talking about this damn thing for ever. Well, ever since, I guess, 2000, when, to, what, 2015. But I finally, like, it took me a while to process all the things I wanted to write about. And now... I'm able to write about it because it's like a satire on Eat, Pray, Love. Uh -huh. um, well, you do enough traveling for that. Yeah, exactly. And and the whole thing was like, I read the agent that I spoke to, she told me to read Eat, Pray, Love and um, just sort of inspire me. And I originally started traveling because of a breakup with a beautiful Swedish boy in 2010. And that was like sort of my escape. And then after reading Eat, Pray, Love, which is a horrible book, it was just so funny that this white privileged woman was going to these, like, countries to find herself. It just, to me, it was just obnoxious. And she was given the money because she had pitched the idea. So she was given the money by the publishers and, you know, to just go and write this stupid book. And so when I went to Cambodia last year, I, um... I came up with the realization that I'm not going to write a serious memoir. I'm going to write a memoir that is completely and totally the way things are and just how ridiculous life is. Like me squatting over a muddy hole in <laughs> the jungles of Cambodia, trying to piss in the muddy hole and the piss is like hitting the edge and splashing back up of my face. Oh my God. And then thinking how some like white privileged woman would be like, no, this is a metaphor for something. So I write it as like, this is totally like, this is teaching me a lesson about life, but I'm writing it in this very sarcastic tone of like, you know what you really need? <laughs> you really need to get your shit together. So the entire thing I'm making fun of myself, like there's a very much a self-awareness of what I'm trying to do in this cliche way of like trying to find myself, but at the same time, I don't need to find myself. I've already been found. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, as long as you kept like a journal, like, cause I would have forgotten the shit that happened to me. I would have to keep a journal of what was going on. Um, but you, I, I think that you need to distance yourself 
from the event in order to write about it better. Because, exactly. like, writing angry, like, it's very clear that the little memoir I did, that I was writing angry. Um, and that's not near, you know, it's not nearly as good. Like, have some distance, like you said. Have some humor. I love that. I laugh. I mean... I love I love funny autobiography. Yeah, the fact that the fact that I sent my cheating husband a pile of shit and that went viral, but that was yes. picked up in like twenty six different countries in languages <laughs> they didn't even know existed. Like that's funny. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I don't know. My goal was to have it finished by the end of two thousand sixteen, but that didn't work out so well because. I kind of got a little sidetracked with all the dick action in Spain. But, <laughs> but now that I'm temporarily at my parents for a month and a half before I go to Asia again, um, Friday is definitely work day. That's awesome. So where can people follow you and keep track of these amazing adventures and your political um, you know, commentary? Well, on Twitter is where I do my political stuff, and my Twitter handle is... <laughs> I always forget. Oh, Angry Chatel. Yes, Angry Chatel. And Chatel spelled C-H-A-T-E-L. And then I have a Facebook page, which is Amanda Chatel, and that's where I post all my, like, sex and relationship articles. I've posted a couple of political ones, and that resulted in a few women coming on there and being like, I just come here for, like, sex tips. Like, why are you making this political and blah, blah, blah. And then I have to get, like, in this little heated argument, and then I have to ban people, and then. Yeah, and that gets ugly. Like, you know, like, there's a, you know, there's a possibility of a bill coming up where premarital sex will be outlawed. So if you could just, like, chill with your relationship questions. (laughs) So I'm trying to find, like, what because I want to be able to appeal to different audiences granted at the end of the day when the memoir is published because it will be published knock on wood very loudly um my demographic is not going to be the people who voted for Trump to be honest it's right well that's what I'm sure they're not the ones listening to this or I'd get a lot of hate mail yeah (laughs) I'm sure you would actually because you're nice and liberal but um (laughs) So, yeah, so my so burning bridges with like a handful of people who, you know, want to come and troll me is it's the least of my concerns. Mm-hmm. And I'm also on Instagram and my Instagram handle is La Chatel, L-A underscore Chatel. And right now it's not very exciting. I'm just posting a lot of photos of my dogs, my one dog, my other dog passed away. But um, once I start traveling again, as of March 28th, okay. I'll be out of the country for six months. So. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. As you know, as long as well, you're not going to be very reachable, but mm, there's always the internet. Yeah, we'll find ways of reaching you. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I will let Amanda get back to her amazing adventures in uh, liberal feminism. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. As always. You're welcome. You guys can follow me at Elizabeth Amber on Twitter. Um, I do try to intersperse the, you know, constant political stuff that's been going on for the last few months. I do try to, you know, there's still books and comics and stuff in there. You just have to look for it Um, because I just can't help it. Sometimes I get on a political rant and, you know, just need to retweet a lot of people that make more sense than I do. (laughs) 
Somebody told me to run for office, and I'm like, do you have any idea how many times I would say fuck off to people? Like, first of all, my vagina is all over the internet. Second of all, I would, I would just, yeah, there would be no holding me back. And he's like, but that's allowed now. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's true. Trump says whatever you want, so you can too. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. You can't. You're a woman. I forgot. A I woman. forgot. Oh, yeah. so dumb of me. I'm so Yeah. I will need a boy to run and I will, you know, to be my puppet. Um, Yeah. So meanwhile, I will go back to like having a Veep marathon on HBO um, because if you're not sick of politics, then then there are some good shows like Parks and Rec and Veep and Madam Secretary. Um, But if you like to see the things where um, the poor downtrodden soul ends up winning, then stick with leverage always you know i talk about it's ridiculous i talk about leverage at every show yeah i um, think we we talked about it last year yeah i still haven't yeah. seen it but veep i it's, love veep i am addicted oh my god there's i have like animated gifs up the wazoo that i just want to send to these senators like even like some from lucifer are very very rele- relevant you should i mean um oh i ha- well i have been you know i think i I I was responding to one that happened to mention Mike Pence. So it's not like I specifically was sending it to him, but his name was in it. And um yeah. Oh yeah, no, I've I've sent uh, I've sent Trump plenty of animated gifs. I don't know if he knows what they are, but Of course he doesn't. He's an idiot. <laughs> He's a total idiot. Oh my god, yeah. speaking of idiots, this is kind of off, off topic, but totally related, if that makes any sense. Last night I actually had a dream, a sex dream, about um, Speaker Paul Ryan. Uh-huh. And in my dream, I had infiltrated myself into the White House so I could date him and convince him to impeach Donald Trump. And we were, like, rolling around and kissing. And in my dream, I was, like, it was like I couldn't get over, like, how great he smelled. I'm really, you know, impressed, though, that you at least got a good-looking one. Like, it's not like it was Bannon. Oh, God. you imagine? I think then you really would get up and puke. I would. I absolutely would. Oh, he is just, oh, God. He's better. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Fan fiction. Yes. <laughs> oh, Amanda, thank you so much. Thank you so much.